0: I'd like to begin today by uh, talking to you about our series. We've been continuing a series, well, we'll continue a series, called Picture This. And each week, there's a central illustration that you will use to describe what it is that the Bible has to teach us. And today we have a central illustration called the Johari Window. And I think I have an example of it on the screen. And if you didn't get one of our worship guides, you can actually follow along and draw things in. If that's you, uh, we have those in the back. And so you can follow along and write things down. And the Johari Window... I'm going to explain that in just a minute. I'm going to circle back to our central illustration in just a minute. But before I do, I just want to talk to you about this. And that is, in order to get better at life, at things, at the things that we want to pursue in life, getting better doesn't always feel good. Sometimes getting better takes work. And it's a little hard to get better at life i'll give you three examples uh sometimes i'll pop into this spin class called soul cycle right, left, right, right, left, right, tap it back. Uh, it's great. And it's, uh, it's, it's uh, kind of like spinning, but it's to the rhythm of the music. And it's a bunch of people in super complicated outfits. And I'm there right in the front row. I'm just in, I'm just like you know, doing it. And if I wanted to get better at, so if I want to get better at spinning or kind of that kind of working out, it takes effort. It's really hard. I get out of breath. I am sweating. I'm drinking all the water. I'm like, man, I should have rationed my water by the 40th minute. I'm all of water. It takes a lot of effort to get better at spitting. Uh, another example, of, you know, if, if I want to get better at something that doesn't feel very good, preaching. Preaching every week, it takes effort. And sometimes getting better doesn't feel good. You may not realize this uh, for a number of reasons. But every Tuesday, I have to sit with staff and volunteers, and they give me direct feedback on what I did on Sunday. And sometimes that feedback is good, and sometimes that feedback is great. <laughs> Another times, it's like, what were you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just stupid, stupid. It hurts to get honest feedback to become better as a preacher and a teacher, uh, or parenting, consider parenting. It's sometimes you have to get hard feedback in order to get better to be a parent. Uh, my wife, a few years ago, this really changed a lot for me. I was taking a certain tone with a little girl that, I, that lives in our house, <laughs> not just some random little girl. Hey, punk, what's up? I don't know you. Uh, no, The little girl that lives in our house, I was taking a certain tone with her and my wife pulled me aside in the evermost gentle Christ-like way. And she said, look, you know, you may not know this, but like you don't have to take that tone with a little girl. Little girls like way understand things more than little boys. And I go, oh, okay. And that was really helpful, but it was hurtful and it was direct. It wasn't as nice as so I just made it right there. Uh, but like sometimes, sometimes getting better at being a parent is hard because you have to take direct feedback. So let me ask you a personal question. If you wanted to get better in 2020, how would you do it? How would you get better? If you wanted to improve your health this year, how would you do it? If you wanted to be a better employee or finally get the thing that you're working on off the ground, the big project you've been working on, how would you do it? What kind of feedback would you need for that? If you wanted to hear from God more how would you do it? If you wanted to grow in your walk with God, if you wanted to exercise faith and see him do more amazing things in your life this year, how would you do it? If you are uncertain about a specific situation happening in your life, how would you go about getting better so you could deal with that? What internal mechanisms do you have in your life? What internal mechanisms do I have? What do we have That can provide us information that can change our mind, that can change what we're doing, that can actually save our life. How do we have information and decision-making processes that help us to get better? And what you find in the world as we go out there is that people have to influence you. And they're going to influence you on the positive or the negative, And you need that kind of influence in your life in order for you to get better, in order for you to grow. Now, the good news is this, that the church of Jesus Christ was designed by God for a number of reasons. And one of those reasons is to glorify him, to be a witness to all the amazing things he's doing in the world. And another reason why the church exists is to speak truth to you and to me to actually help us get better as people. And so, how does the church, the central question I'm asking today is, how does the church help us to get better? Well, I'm going to answer that question in a a sermon I've titled, How to Get Better. Uh, Why don't we invite God's presence one more time, you know, See what he wants to do today. And then let's take a look at some Bible verses. And then we'll also take a look at the Johari window. So why don't you join me in prayer today? God, we thank you that you're here today. And uh, God, I ask in every way that we need to welcome you, we would welcome you. i ask you to start to speak to us. Uh, God, I'm not alone and uh, coming here today and I have questions. Uh, I know there's others that have questions that are seeking answers from you. And so, God, I ask that you would speak. You would speak through me. And, God, even right now, uh, even things that I am not prepared to say, you would help me to say those things. But also speak to people's hearts and minds, God, that they would know it's you, that you'd do something new in people today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so if you would like to follow along in your Bible or your phone, uh, you can do that in Galatians 11. I'm going to read some verses, Galatians 6, excuse me, there's no Galatians 11. But uh, uh, you can follow along on the screen as well. And in Galatians 6, we're going to be reading something from the Apostle Paul written to the Galatians. And in these verses, we actually have some insights on how to get better. And it's not what we imagine at first. And so let's read in Galatians 6, chapter 1, we read this. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not... They deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. And what Paul's saying here. If I could summarize it, that Paul is saying that the church is a community that is designed to help us get better. That God has set up the church to to be a place where God will speak to you in order for you to grow. Paul is also saying that the church serves as a mirror, uh, which we hold up to ourselves, where we are then able to look at ourselves clearly And we can identify problems in our own lives. Uh, And one of the words that Paul uses to describe these problems is the word sin. Now, most of you have heard the word sin before. And most of you have an idea of what you think sin may be. But if I went around this room and I lined everyone up and I held the microphone, I said, define sin for me. uh, uh, Each person might have a slightly different understanding of what that is. And for some of you, you think really negative things. Some of you think... Really, like, you, it sh- you feel a sense of shame because of uh, a kind of the environment, the religious environment you grew up. So what I would like to do before we move on and explain how to get better, I think it's important for us to clearly define what sin is and how Paul defines sin and how the Bible actually defines sin. And so what is sin according to Paul? Just to be really clear, I want to cover this. Uh, Sin is running your hand against the grain of the universe. If you can imagine the grain of wood, and if you run your hand against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. We see this in life. When people do things that we know won't work for them, but they do them anyway, and then they wonder, ouch, they get a splinter. It doesn't work for them. Uh, what else is sin? Well, sin is always when we turn a good thing into an ultimate thing that should we lose that thing, life wouldn't be worth living. And this is a different, more unique version uh, definition of sin because it has less to do with just doing bad things for the bad reasons. You could always be doing Good things for the wrong reasons, which causes people to uh, dislike you or it causes you not to relate well in the world. This results in pride, which hurts you. But also, there's a couple more things, aspects we see about sin in here from the Apostle Paul. Sin creates blind spots and keeps us from fully understanding ourselves. And then sin can actually harden our hearts and blind us so we can't actually see the reality going on around us. Have you ever experienced somebody who seems like they have it all together, but they're doing the wrong thing and they know they're not really quite doing the right thing, but they cannot see how that thing that they're doing wrong is affecting the other areas of their life. That's because sometimes sin, it's not just something that happens, but it's connected to the spiritual world. And that spiritual world has tentacles, and it works its way into our heart, and it affects our vision. It's almost like when sin gets a hold of us in a certain area of our lives, it's like we're living in a fog. Like we know there's a better way. We know that we should be able to climb out of this, but we, and we, we know there's more to see in life. But we just can't see it because the fog is heavy. The, thaw, the fog is thick. And you know you want more, but you can't quite figure out. That's the effects of sin and what it does to us. But what here's the good news. Paul also talks about, throughout his writings, he also talks about something called the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus died on the cross... To break the power of sin, to break the power of the fog, to break the power of not being able to make the decisions that we want to in life. And so when people turn to Jesus, they are connecting themselves to a supernatural power that can break sin. It can get rid of sin. It can get rid of the sin that holds us back. It can keep us from turning good things into ultimate things. And we can keep them in proper perspective. And we can also become more aware of ourselves, our actions, and our consequences. So if you look at these verses, it says, You who live by the Spirit should restore each other gently. And what Paul is saying is that because of Jesus, the church has access to the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will supernaturally speak to you and to me and to us about what we need to hear. And when we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, it will guide us and speak to us about all the things we need to know. And it's such a shame that many Christians today Don't really know who the Holy Spirit is and don't really access the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us to grow, to help us to be better. Uh, Recently, um, uh, Nicole and I, with Mary, we went to uh, Disney World for a couple days in Florida. uh, And um, it's almost like this. Having the Holy Spirit is almost like having tickets to be able to go to Disney World, but never really entering the park. Well, I've got these tickets. I can go to Disney World anytime I want through this block of time period, but I'll never use them. You would never do that. You would go in and use the tickets. But so many of us don't use the tickets. We don't walk in to the park. And let me tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit is bigger than the power you have in your life. The Holy Spirit has more power than your boss. The Holy Spirit... Thank you, George. The Holy Spirit... (laughs) Come on, yeah. you guys can be involved too, not just George. George is great, I love it, whatever. Let's keep going. So the Holy Spirit has more power than your circumstances. Yet many of us sit in there as annual pass holders to Disneyland and we never really go in the park. But the Holy Spirit is available to us and the Holy Spirit wants to do stuff in us and through us and wants to break through the spiritual brokenness and the clouds and the fog that we have in our life. And so when the people who go, who decide to go into the park, the people who decide to live by the spirit, when they exist together in the world, we get this thing. And that thing is called the church. The church is not a building building. The church is a people. It is a body of people brought together by God's Holy Spirit. And this means that when God's spirit is talking to us and we're living inside the park, we have access to knowledge and supernatural power that we never would have had otherwise. And when people get together, those of us who live by the spirit, We are called to carry each other's burdens. We're called to speak the truth in love. We're called to tell the truth. We're called to help each other become better. And Paul is saying that when we follow Jesus, we don't do it alone. We aren't by ourselves. We do it with each other. We need each other. God has set up the world and he has set up the church to exist to help each other. We need each other in this thing called life. We also see that the church helps us to help people, even when we don't know exactly what to do. And we actually get better about things with things that we might not know that we need to get better with. And, the, and, and that, is, that is very different than the rest of the world because in America, individualism rules the day. When you think about the people you admire, and I admire some of those people are rugged individualists. They try, they do their own thing, they work hard, they've got grit, and they make themselves into who they need to be. But, but what we realize is that that value of individualism doesn't always lead us to become better people. Sometimes uh, being true to ourselves is helpful because we get to operate in our gifts and use and do the things that God has equipped us to do. But also it means that sometimes we ignore warning signs Of who we're actually becoming. And sometimes becoming our true self doesn't always make us better. Did you know that you have blind spots? There are things in your life that you cannot see. And the problem with blind spots is what? You're blind to them. You can't see them. If you could see them, you would change all the things. But you can't see them. So therefore, you're blind and you can't see them. And it is quite possible that you could be blind to an unhealthy relationship. You can be blind to how you're treating someone in your life. You can be blind to the kind of employee you actually are. Uh, you can actually uh, be blind to a habit that you have formed that has become an addiction. So that all that being said, we have finally come to the central illustration of today. And that central illustration is the Johari window. And what we see in these verses is that God, God is trying to, through the person of Paul, help us to understand who and how we need to pay attention to things. So I have uh, a generic Johari window I'm going to put up. I'm going to come down and enjoy this from down here for a little bit. I'm not going to jump down. I'm a very old man, though. Otherwise, I would And so, uh, so what is the Johari window? Okay, so on the one hand, you've got uh, known to self and not known to self. Okay, so these are the areas I know. These are the areas I don't know. Okay. Are we, I was pretty clear so far. And then this way you have, these are the ones that are known to others. And then you have the ones that are not known to others. So that leads four areas. You have the open area. I know it. And you know it. We all know it. And then uh, you have the hidden area. I know it. And you don't know it. Uh, And then uh, there's the blind area. You know it. And I don't know it. And you guys have talked about it behind my back. Okay. And then you have the unknown area, which is uh, nobody knows anything. Okay. And so, uh, just to make this really clear, uh, before we get into the serious examples, I have some lighter examples I'd like to share with you. First example is this, uh, it is uh, bad breath. Let's talk about Johari's window, Joe Johari window and bad breath. So in the, uh, hidden area, n- uh, not known to others and, but known to self, sometimes when I eat ramen, my breath smells very bad and I don't like to make out with my wife until after a quick brushy brush. All right. Fair enough. Hey girl. Hey, girl, these noodles are good, um, but uh, let me just uh, brush your brush real quick. So that would be a hidden area from the world, but I know, but let's be honest. Oh, we all know. So at least in the second area, known to others, when I go to make up with my wife and she says, nope, you got that ramen snack, okay? That would be a known area to her and to me. And then the third area would be like when my daughter says to my wife, did you know that daddy got that stanky breath after ramen? So they all know and they talk about it and I, maybe I don't know. And then the fourth area is... I love Raman, it is so good. I think I'll spend the rest of the day getting really close to people and telling them all about it. (laughs) So you don't know what you don't know. Okay. Let's use it. Let's go to the next example. Okay. Just to help you understand this one's money. This one's a little bit more serious, uh, not known to others. I'm basically barely surviving financially. I can barely pay the interest on my credit card. I don't know how to fix this. So in this scenario, you know that your finances are crumbling, but no one else knows. Or so you think. Which leads to the second area, which is, hey, check out this new luxury vacation I went on. I know that you know I don't have a job right now, but yellow. So in this area, we all know that you don't have a job, and we all know that you don't have any money, and we all know that you put those pictures on Instagram. So, <laughs> and you're in crushing debt, and it's killing you right now. This message is for you. All right, and the third one would be... Uh, this is Hey, did you hear he lost his job and went on vacation? That's not wise. That's how people get into trouble. Should we say something? Note here that not known to self, the blind area is not that I don't have a job or that I spent too much money on this cool vacation. Everyone knows that the, the, the blind area is, in fact, that like I'm living like there's no problem. And the other people know that like when you go down this way, dude, you're going to be in trouble if you keep spending that way. Okay, And then the fourth area unknown, hi, I'm an IRS auditor and I just put it with a finishing touches on a letter, explained that he will, the federal government, $5,000 in back taxes. Mwahaha. So you never know what you don't know. You never know what's going to happen to you financially. Um, so, is everyone scared? Whenever I talk about money, people get like, really like, oh man. Yeah. And you start running the numbers. You're like, what? Okay. So uh, next example is how about a toxic relationship? I really like him. I know he doesn't want to get a job right now. He doesn't have any close friends. He's volatile when we argue, but I think I can change him. Ooh. How about the next one? Isn't my new boyfriend great? He's currently working on this new project that's going to revolutionize the industry. <laughs> okay. All right. You see there's a little gap there. Uh, how about none to self? I really think she's looking at this relationship with rose-colored glasses. We all know that he's bad news of her. She has so much going for her. She's just fooling herself. Okay. That's what people say when they don't want to tell you, you know? And then the last thing is he's still legally married in another state. <laughs> oh my goodness so that's how johari window works there are things that we know that we know there are things that other people know that you don't know and then there's these things that come into our life where nobody knew that was coming and we all go "I'm i'm sorry and the fact is is that it's very easy to see everyone else's blind spots but it's very hard to see your own blind spots. And over and over again, the Bible tells us and Paul tells us that we are not an island. That we are not meant to do this life alone. We cannot figure it out on our own. We actually need each other. That is the way life was designed to work. And so uh, I want to give you four ways that this window and what these verses are encouraging us to do. But before we do... There's a couple of other verses in the Bible, I believe, that reinforce this. If we look in the book of Proverbs in verse 27, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And then we also have, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And, and so what do we see from all this? What do we know to be true? How does the church actually help us to get better? Two ways are here. If you're taking notes, the church is a place to give and receive honest feedback. And the church is a place to practice active listening. Active listening. you know, we've, The church is a place where we can actually tell people what we need to tell them. And the church is also a place where we can open ourselves up and hear from others. And just like I said, we need to be uh, slow to speak. We need to practice active listening in two ways. Active listening with each other and also active listening with God. And so I've got another Johari window. How do we respond to what God is inviting us to do? And so there's the last Johari window, how to respond. Is it up on the screen? Is it? I can't tell. Okay, cool. Um, and so there's four areas and I'd like to start with the bottom uh, left one in that area where we know things and other people don't know things. The question we can ask if we want to take this seriously is, am I being honest with myself about this particular situation? You know, at the end of the day, you're in charge of your spiritual growth and I'm in charge of my spiritual growth. We cannot put it on other people. And if we want to get better, If we want to get honest uh, about what's really going on, we have to be honest with ourselves. And sometimes when we uh, just kind of ignore the facts or we want to believe a different set of facts, an alternative set of facts that we think will set it apart so we don't really have to deal with the ramifications of the issue, we are not being honest with ourselves. How many of us have made mistakes in our past because we just weren't honest with ourselves? Look, if I was really serious... I would be honest about I didn't handle that. And there's there's things that I think about that I, I could have done differently because I was dishonest with myself. I tried to fool myself. But you know what? Fooling yourself can only go so long. Eventually, the truth comes out and eventually reality sets in. The second area known to others and known to me is the question is, how am I opening myself up to the feedback I need in different areas of my life that we all know about? And this is where the church comes in. The church is a place where you can be open yourself up to the feedback that you need to get better. I can open myself up to the feedback I need to get better. And uh, what's hard, there's a difference between opening yourself up to the feedback Um, and like just being around and hoping nobody ever asks you any questions. And sometimes what this means is we're going to have to prompt people and ask them questions like, Hey, you and I both know I lost my job and I'm struggling to figure out what's next. Can I get some feedback from you? Or, Hey, you know, about this other particular situation with this relationship with this thing, I didn't actually ask you your opinion can I get your opinion on that? What is God maybe speaking to you that you can deliver to me about this thing? What I have found is, and it's true in my own life, we actually have to ask people to get that feedback. People aren't going to, on their own, just give you that information. Why? Because we're a society, and we're trying to be nice, and also we're afraid of rejection. And if we'll be honest, sometimes unsolicited feedback results in broken relationship. So the problem I think we have to overcome, the challenge we have to face is we have to be willing to ask for the feedback. We have to ask people, hey, this is going on. What do you think? And that's where the church comes in, because this is designed to be a place where we're all facing a direction, where we're hearing from God, we're hearing from Jesus, we're trying to grow and be better people, and we encourage each other by being willing to tell the truth when the truth is required from us. Does that make sense? Okay, and then, which is a little different than uh, the, the other church one, which is in the top right corner, which is how do I regularly ask people to speak into my life about my blind spots? Um, if you are blind to it, then you can't like, you don't know what to ask. You know what I mean? Because if you knew what it was then you could kind of work on it and it would be out in the open. So sometimes we have to ask people in the church and people we trust a different kind of set of questions. Like, Hey, what am, what am I not seeing here? That, that in fact, is a really good question. Hey, what am I missing here? Hey, I'm going through this thing. Hey, I just can't quite develop the relationships in my life that I want to. Am I missing something here? And you might have to prompt the person a couple times in order to get your answer. But people will tell you because you're blind to it and they can see it. You need other people to tell you those things. And the last way you respond, um, oh, before I do that, for the church ones on the top, the ones that everyone can see but you can't see or you can see, there's two great ways. This is why we always encourage people to join a community group. Community groups and churches are ways for you to get to know people, develop trust, and get the feedback that you need to grow. And this is also why we encourage you to build relationships here at the church. Like we have this event for women after the service. Next week, we have Next Steps. In a few more weeks, we'll have some other event. I know Pac City Social has some interesting things planned. And the reason we do all these things is we can facilitate relationship, but we can't make you be friends. We can't make you open up to one another. But if we provide those opportunities for you, and if you take advantage of them, you're creating a context where you can actually become better, where you can actually grow. But then it leads us to the last one. You don't know it, and I don't know it. Nobody knows it. And that's God. The unknowns, unknowns. What we don't know, what we don't know. God. There are things that we just don't know or see. Will you help me see the things in my life that I need to see? Will you help me see the things I need to see in my life? And in this one, ooh, this is the tough one. Because this is the one where we together, we have to go before God and we go, God, we we come to you. We don't have it all. We need you. God, I ask that you would speak to me, please, by your grace and your mercy Show me what I need to see. We don't know what we don't know. God, we trust you. We look to you. We, guide. we want to be guided by you. We, we go before God and we ask him for his help. We ask him for his guidance. These are the four areas. If you take these four areas seriously, you will get better. You will get the feedback that we all know you need. You will get the feedback that you didn't know you need, and you'll be perfectly positioned to ask God about the unknowns that you face in your life. And uh, personally, as a dad, I need this. I need to hear from God, and I need to hear from others about the kind of husband and dad that I am. As a husband, I need to actively listen, not just to my wife or to other husbands, or other wives that have feedback about how I'm supposed to relate. I need to hear from God. God, what are you saying to me about my marriage? Now, what are you saying to me about how I'm treating my family? God, what are you saying to me about my friends? You need that too. I need it for this church. God, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what's around the corner. God, you have to be with us. You have to help us. Build your people into what they need to be. Help me, guide me. And also with the church, I don't know what I... I There's certain things I can't see that you see. I need that. I need to hear. And just like I need it, you need it. You need it in all the areas of your life. You need it in your work. You need it in your romantic relationships. You need it into your former romantic relationships. You need it everywhere. And so as I close, I know you have the little Johari window in front of you if you grab one of our little bulletins. Um, um, I just want to pause right now. You've got that Johari window in front of you. We should have it up on the screen too. Just pause. What is God leading you to do? How is God leading you to be more honest with yourself? Write it down. Write it down in the bottom left. Write that down. Or just think about it. What's the particular thing that you know you need feedback on right now? Everyone knows about the thing with the thing. What is the thing that you need to ask for? Who are those people that you need to get feedback from? Write it down. Who are the one or two people that you need to reach out to and say, hey, what am I not seeing here? What's going on? Who are they? Will you reach out to them this week? Will you, will you contact them and say, hey, I, I, just, I just need to ask you. And then the last one, you know, hey, God, I want to go before you. I know there's certain things that I can't see and others can't see. Help me to see clearly. What's something that you want to hear from God on? You want the fog lifted from? Now, I believe that as we do this as a church, a couple things are going to happen. First, the the more positive thing is we're actually going to get better. We're actually going to see each other uh, as we actually are, and we're actually going to be able to um, improve certain areas of our life the other thing is this is going to get real messy because we're going to start to tell each other the truth and whenever we tell each other the truth that can be hard but if we do this we can actually get better and what would it look like for a small church a small group of people to actually hear from god hear from others and actually get better this year what do you think that would look like i think it'd be great I think it'd be great for people to see our lives and see a qualitative difference. And they'll go, well, how did it happen? Well, I just listened to the feedback. I listened when other people spoke into my life. I listened and I got better. We will get better as a result. Why don't we all stand?